From Yoga and Ayurveda Living, I am Kelly Marie Mills. This is The Dosha Life, a podcast for wellness seekers, curators of happiness, and lovers of healthy living. This podcast is for people interested in tools, remedies, and ancient wisdom coming from Yoga and Ayurveda. Welcome to my happy place. This is Series 3, Yoga Is. If you have come back again, I thank you for this. There is actually nothing more wonderful for a podcaster than to know their podcasts are being listened to. I'm not sure if that's a bit of self-glory or a blend of me, theirs, and ours, but I do know that yoga and Ayurveda wisdom deserve to be shared. How yoga and Ayurveda worked for me is the perspective I'm using to bring this across. But most of all, I hope this podcast is nourishment to you and to others. And I thank you, thank you. You are on Yoga Is, a great remedy for our wibbly-wobbly wonders. What's a wibbly-wobbly wonder? It's when we just can't stabilize how we're feeling. One day we are up and the next day we are down. And the next day we are both and then another day we're very, very angry and highs and lows. So today we're not covering the angry person within us that pops out now and again, or probably a little bit more during the pandemic at times. But we are going to cover the remedies for the wobbles and wibbles of anxiety, sadness, fear, and most of all the in-between moments when we aren't sure how we feel. I think it sounds pretty familiar for most of us. So are you ready? Mornings. Mornings, the very first important remedy for emotions of all sorts to be rebalanced, and most especially to affirm that the in-betweens of highs and lows, that midpoint of quiet, is actually a very good place to be, and may not always feel normal because we are often very highly strung in this world of change and all that stuff rushing around in our minds. And at least for another week before the strange man-made input of daylight saving starts again. Where I am now, it's still dark when I awake. The light has not yet come into the horizon, but I know the sun will soon, as I write, rise up like a pop-up Pop-Tart. Of course, I grew up with those, so you may not be familiar with them, but you stick these things in a toaster. I suppose it's like waffles. You put them in the toaster and they pop up. And then distinctly, the sun will slide into its rightful place in the sky, brandishing its light all over the world, sharing its color, its heat, its endless possibilities of outdoor fun that could be had. To feel the prana vibrate through the land, you can even hear the bird song at a specific moment, when it seems they all got shook to sing at the exact same time together. They too are affected by the early morning dawn, but we all know that. And the more we connect with it, the more we will be like the bird song, in rhythm, in tune together, light, earthy, and angelic. I know, mornings of all things, it is of course the first remedy that yoga and Ayurveda offer to those feelings of foundering, loss, and separation. All combined, the wibbly-wobbly wonders are just moments of destabilization. You would actually want to be a mountain to not have felt a good few wibbly-wobbly wonders by now in the past year. So try it. Try it for at least three weeks in a row, every day, every single day, getting up. Set your alarm for 6.30 a.m. or 6 a.m. could be even better for you. 
Get up, do a little dance, open the windows, shake off the sleep and rise to a new day in which to leave the past in its rightful place and look towards this moment. Yoga and Ayurveda are sisters and together are a powerful united force as long as there's balance and respect involved. Here today, both insist that an early morning time is the ultimate time to begin new. Like anything to do with humans and animals on live camera, it's the same with yoga and Ayurveda. We have to allow for all the variables. Most especially, it depends on the guna's balance of each individual, which includes what is happening in someone's life at that time. But I can tell you for sure that when, is the, when the time is right and the power is available to set those six alarm clocks, because if you have an imbalance of kapha, it's hard to wake up early. And make sure and put an alarm clock out in the hallway so you have to get out of bed to turn it off. And to be honest, timing is a huge subject for everything in Ayurveda. It's definitely a bit like the three sisters of fate in Greek mythology. These sisters or witches, they weren't very happy all the time. And in fact, I think they could have been called the Wibbly Wobblies and the Wonder. They were all about time and timings. Beginnings was one, sustaining was the other, and cessation was the other those three sisters. And you can imagine that that episode on timing is going to be pretty amazing as we move forth in our quest for remedies for emotions that hang us low to the ground and skyrocket us up behind the grandstands. I refer us back to one of our key points that Ayurveda assists us in our life, and that's the opposites reduce the imbalance. In contrast, something of the same or something that creates more of the same will increase the problem. So it seems easier to start with the latter. If I am sad and in the evening from a long day at work I feel a glass of wine might help elevate my mood, the effects of alcohol are very mixed. First it winds us up, yeah, and can make us feel brighter, until the second effect takes hold and the alcohol hits and drops us down and down and down, increasing our low mood and not making it easy to lift it again. Alcohol, in fact, increases the sense of I, me, and my, this ahamkara, the part of our personality mind that is all about the self, and discernment finds it very hard to show up. It sits quite far back in the cheap seats. Alcohol, in effect, enhances sadness, the sense of depression, and it is a depressive. Food can do the same if we are eating to make ourselves feel better. Then, after we eat, we realize we aren't feeling so great, either from eating the wrong thing too much or because our digestion is suffering already. So again, we get this low for this inward direction of sadness is being pressed inward more through food or the wrong use of food. It tends to be the nature of us humans to seek a cure that probably won't help much until one day we realize we want something new. And until we start to use methods that enhance our discernment, it's hard to really implement the change, or we implement the change, but we can't sustain it. So yoga and Ayurveda are very much about being able to sustain change. And early mornings is one of the easiest first changes that you can make. Because if getting up early becomes a priority, eventually late nights will not. And the late night affects our emotions with the opposite effect to early mornings. Feelings of sadness, low mood, foundering all tend to be an inward-downward drive, penting things up when we already know this is very unhealthy, but often we don't know what else we can do. We may not have access for various reasons to counseling or therapists or therapies, so what else is there? How can I help myself feel better? Not only is this obstacle 
very prevalent, but also not expressing our feelings in a constructive way means we are not getting them out, but they are getting all mixed up in the body and mind. Emotions and feelings, good, bad, or moderate, all need expression, and that's actually what they're for, to tell ourselves and others our story, that this will work for us or that won't work for us. And it requires an upward and outward force through the shoulders, the neck, the throat, the head, so that this energy of heartfelt desire can be brought out to others. Does anyone remember the values that I spoke of over the last few weeks? Can you remember which one we need to look after? Aha, Udana Vayu. That's the one that needs attention here. If it's a Vayu we're looking after, it's Vata, isn't it? Yoga offers the remedy of internal inquiry. It's a part and parcel of yoga itself, internal inquiry. And without this, we could not find out what is the root cause of our imbalance. And without internal inquiry, inquiry, it's very hard to come into discernment and wisdom. The opposite to heavy emotions is an upward-outward expression through your voice. This doesn't mean just talking, although often that is how we use it. But Ayurveda and yoga believe that sometimes we can keep talking about our pain, but not really expressing it in a way that helps us. It's not really an upward lift. It's just going over and over the same thing again, not really seeing it with full objectivity, which allows for a change and transformation. So there are two remedies, but the first is best for everything and everyone. Through singing, laughing, even shouting, if you're up on a mountain, shouting is great, but not shouting in a house or anywhere too close to other people. But it's just to get that, that pent-up energy out, up, up, and away, out of the body. And then there's the creative energy of art and song from your heart, especially if it's a kapha problem. Kapha resides in the heart. You will know if it's a kapha problem if it pertains to fear or attachment to or from the loss of something or someone. And we've had a lot of that through the pandemic. But you will know if it's more of a vata cause, if it's feeling like anxiety or worry of something that you think could happen, will happen, or happened in the past and you're worried that it might happen again. And this means working with apanavayu and udanavayu as well. But a part of looking after vata is that you'd actually do more movement through your pelvis and your legs and your hips. And for kapha, you'd actually do more work with your shoulders, your chest, your throat, and your head, so more freedom of the upper body. And for vata, more freedom for the lower body, trying to undo any stiffnesses that may have arrived from trying to contain and control things. So for vata problems, dance is always really good, especially expressive body movements, but not necessarily jumping up and down, that sort of stuff. That sort of heated energy can be used much better for a kapha type. They could do with jumping up and down and singing at the same time while standing or balancing on one leg and painting with the opposite arm because kaphas need extra activation and motivation to help release from the doldrums. Whereas vata already has very high energy, they need to do more soothing, slow movements, just trying to quiet everything down for them, slow things down. The quiet, dark moodiness that we can sometimes find someone we care about in may not always require talking, 
but helping them to understand how to remedy it for themselves. Repetitive phrases can be really useful if we find our inner conversations and our outer conversations are just going around and around in a circle. And what can often happen is we're very aware that these conversations aren't coming to anything useful. And if you were speaking to a therapist, they would help lead you into directions that would help your psyche to expand. But through yoga and Ayurveda, you can use repetitive phrases, which you could also call mantra work. For a kapha-type dullness, even in the mind, it requires an activation you know, even walking, dancing, yoga postures that have long holds and can challenge this dull feature that shows up to create inner warmth for the dullness. So it's like letting the lamp shine from the inside out. But for anxiety, which can expand into hysteria or insomnia, sadness and fear, and sleeplessness, restlessness even in the body, these are the wibbly-wobbly wonder moments that can come from a pandemic. And I believe a different tack could be more useful, more helpful, setting aside at least 40 minutes, using a bit of warmed oil on your back or your stomach and a hot water bottle will definitely help. Classical music, yoga nidras that enhance trust, joy and rest listening to local bird songs that are recorded or a relaxation that has that in it, and trying to repeat the exact same practice every day for nine days in a row, no matter what else is going on in your life, spending the minimum of 30 minutes resting, but in wakefulness. It's not about sleeping. It's actually just resting in comfort and warmth, in a sense of being held by your own self-care. When our life feels like it's beyond our control, it's difficult no matter what age. When this happens, it's like a big sideswipe. It's so unexpected and it easily knocks our confidence. One of the things I know is that we can't be forced to feel better no matter what's happening because emotions just don't do that. They just don't feel better. They just don't drop out of sight. They kind of hide in harbor somewhere and stay really quiet until something else arises that helps them to bubble up again. Our emotions, they just really want to be seen, they want to be heard, they want to be accepted and understood, and then they also want to be let go of. We don't need our emotions kept in a spotlight for very long, but we do need to converse with the emotions, the thoughts, our fears, our pain, our anger and anxieties. These emotions are a necessary part of our development as beautiful beings of kindness and care. And the sooner we talk to all the parts of ourselves, the sooner we will come back into balance, back into feeling safe and secure in a pandemic and out, as if we were like those dolls that stack within e each other. And I would have known them when I was a child as Russian dolls, where they all go back into themselves. But just to backtrack a moment, because I was on a bit of a roll, when someone is trying to help us feel better, they might tell us to cheer up. And sometimes it comes across as being a bit brusque. But what we need to do is really help them to understand how we feel so that they too can learn how to help us better. So I think really saying, well, I don't feel like I can cheer up right now because I'm sad, scared, I'm nervous, I'm upset. And I just want to express these feelings. And then the person who is hoping to help you, they might get 
Maybe they'll get a little bit of a surprise that you're actually voicing this out loud. But the more we inform those that love us that we're not always going to be cheery, the better they can understand and allow for your human nature, our human nature, to arrive. So you're also giving them permission to not always be really happy. The thing is that the sooner we voice all of these, the sooner it's suddenly like we're letting go of all of the holding and the body comes back into balance. The muscles actually start to relax just from not having to hold on to even that that telling of someone that cares about us that we're just not feeling great and we're not going to always feel great. Since last week's episode, there were so many um, remedies that I gave you that were actually good for balance here too. I do want to remind you that a low mood has toxins as well and breathing correctly balances the gaseous exchange in the body. Set a timer to breathe three times a day. Have that alarm go off and spend three minutes three times a day breathing. Breathing resolves a whole lot of breaks in our normal programming. (laughs) Your morning practice of waking early before you charge into the day, whether you're sitting, laying, or standing, breathe in and move your belly away from your body and breathe out and pull your belly in towards your spine. Not just are you helping to fill and empty your lungs, you're also toning your tummy, toning your belly, in effect helping your spine strengthen, but most especially you're helping your digestive system operate better because a toned abdomen helps with our digestive system. And of course, one of the most life-enhancing practices we can when we wake is to think of love, non-harming, truthfulness, discernment, and breath for everything that has gone on before we woke and everything that goes on after we wake, just being present to every moment. We're going to practice the full breath now, coming back to those moments when we were an infant and the body was just beginning to learn how to breathe in this air through the lungs filling and the lungs emptying. So laying down or sitting, filling, and emptying your breath to the body's best ability. And then come to notice that the belly moves as you breathe. You fill the belly up, breathe in, and you empty the belly out as you breathe out. Fill the belly and it rises, or fill the belly and it moves away from your body. Empty the belly and allow it to just drop and relax. As you breathe in, the belly fills, and as you breathe out, the belly empties. And now we activate the breath a little bit more. You breathe in, and the belly rises like you're filling a balloon, and as you breathe out, the belly pulls in towards your spine. Breathe in, and the belly fills as much as you can. Breathe out, and the belly pulls down towards your spine. So it's just the abdomen we're working with right now. Breathing in and the belly fills. Breathing out and pull the belly button in towards your spine. And then find three breaths here, simple breaths, not doing anything, but just witnessing awareness of breath and body. Breathe in. 
And next we fill the belly and fill the rib cage. So the belly fills high and then you fill the rib cage. The rib cage rises and moves out sideways. As you empty the breath, your rib cage releases and then the belly pulls in towards the spine. Filling the belly and then fill the rib cage as much as you can. Empty the rib cage and pull the belly button down towards your spine. Last one, filling belly, fill rib cage, empty rib cage, empty your belly. And taking three breaths, filling and emptying just like that without too much activity. And to know that this movement of the belly beginning and ending the breath is really important, but it can be quite difficult to learn, and it does take some amount of practice. Some people find it easier, other people find it more difficult. And then the last part is to fill all the way up to the collarbone area. So you fill the belly, fill your ribcage, and swing the breath up to the collarbones. Exhale, empty the collarbones, empty your ribcage, pull your belly in. Inhale, fill belly, fill ribcage. Sip of breath into the collarbones. Release the collarbones. Relax the ribcage and pull the belly button in towards your spine. And last one, all on your own. So the full yogic breath is a great place to start to balance the body, remove toxins, release the mind from stress, and it balances the doshas. And when the doshas are balanced, everything feels okay, at least in this moment. The wibbly-wobbly moments of this life through this pandemic, especially if you are in exam stages, just to remember allowing your breath to become your closest friend and your closest guide to how you are in any given moment can really support you and lead you into great self-inquiry, accepting everything that arises as a part of just this living moment. Thank you for joining me today in this wibbly-wobbly wonderful life with yoga and Ayurveda. I look forward to chatting to you in the next episode.